It's the We're Done edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. The draft is done. The season and the offseason program is done. We're done. <laughs> We're done, uh, Adam Beasley. I, I think I think Ryan Flores might quibble with the uh, the second part of that. I think they're going to uh, they're going to have video calisthenics like uh, those yeah. old army videos in movies they made, uh, touching your toes and push ups and sit ups. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they use their their time. They also get to send each player fifteen hundred dollars worth of workout equipment. So maybe maybe everybody will get a Peloton. We're done. <laughs> it's over. It's over. We got we got three hundred and thirty pound football players on pelotons. Okay, that's 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 ridiculous. Um, so seriously, the this is our first gathering since the entire draft is over. So break it down for the folks, Adam Beasley. How good are the Miami Dolphins going to be? In 2020? Oh, that's a great question. It's almost like we talked about this before the show. Yeah, uh, we did, bro. That was us, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Vegas isn't buyers yet. We'll just say that. They're uh, they're not all in on the flow train. Uh, They uh, they still have Dolphins as the longest of long shots to win the Super Bowl, which I understand is probably fair. They should be a long shot. But they don't think the Dolphins are any better than the Jets. They think the Dolphins and Jets are going to battle out for last place in the AFC East. When I tell you that, what do you think, Armando? I think two things. Number one, uh, where are these Vegas people (laughs) gathering? Because they're not (laughs) gathering in Vegas. That city's a ghost town. Number two, I think that that is a product of what the Dolphins, in part, are going to do at the quarterback position. And at the quarterback position, they drafted Tua Tonga-Vailoa with the number five overall pick to play a lot in 2021. And 2020, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, probably not. It's uh, Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, everyone knows, is... Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not buying Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I want to apologize to you and all of our listeners. I was wrong. Vegas does not have the Dolphins and the Jets tied. They actually have the Jets with better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Dolphins. The Jets are at 70-1. to 1, The Dolphins are at 80-1. to 1. This is a, on VegasInsider.com. The Jets have a better quarterback. Wow. Not last year they didn't. Yeah, because the guy caught mono. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, let me ask you, uh, Master Beasley. Mm-hmm. I I give you the choice. Your quarterback can be one of two: Ryan Fitzpatrick or or Sam Darnold. Who do you pick? Oh, I've got a, a, a body of work that shows me Fitzpatrick's a winner. He's a baller. He's a gamer. All and, I've seen with Sam Darnold is disappointment. And now we understand why you're not an NFL general manager <laughs> and you're covering the Miami Dolphins for the Miami Herald. I mean, come on. All, come I on. Know, all I know is this. It would take Sam Darnold the entire quarantine to grow half the beer Brian Fitzpatrick does. That has to, that has to count for something, right? 
Yeah, no, it really does. It really does not count for jack squat. Um, let me ask you about we're on a we're on a roll with Dolphins quarterbacks, and I just basically took a laid a big fart on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and so let's uh, let's talk about why Ryan is you know fart worthy and. It's as simple as this, Adam. We're in year two of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And year one as a starter of Ryan Fitzpatrick at the Buffalo Bills was pretty good. In mm-hmm. fact, good enough that it got him starter's money contract. They they handed him the job and said, go be our franchise quarterback. And I remember, because I was there, the weekend that he got that contract, he played the Miami Dolphins, and he was horrible. (laughs) And guess what? Um, He followed that with a consistent uh, performance of horrible. And I remember talking to Chan Gailey at an owner's meeting, and I said, what happened? He goes... Well, we we paid Fitzpatrick and he lost his mind. Oh. <laughs> so oh. so uh, that has never left me. And after that, Chan Gailey got fired because they were continually horrible. Uh, but he thought enough about Ryan Fitzpatrick that he left retirement, the comforts of retirement, to go back to the NFL grind and coach Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be their starter this year. Right. That's my point. But here's the thing. He was also the starter for the Jets in, I believe it was 2016, uh, or was it 2015? He was the starter for the Jets in 2015. They went 10-6. and six. They didn't make the playoffs, by the way, because in the final game of 2015, they all had to play well, and they didn't. So they didn't make the playoffs, come back in 2016, and guess what happened in his second year as the Jets quarterback? He threw 17 interceptions and uh, only 12 touchdowns. Horrible. And so I look at this history and I ask myself, self, do I believe that second year of Ryan Fitzpatrick is really good? And self says, you're a moron, don't ask me these questions. He's not. And I'm done. It's over. Proceed. He was relatively good his second year in Buffalo, and then he got paid and, t- and tailed off the last two seasons. Uh, I will say this. I, I think Fitz can do a good enough job to keep them competitive if they run the ball and play defense, and that's kind of how they're building their team, isn't it? I mean, they're building their team in a way in which whenever Tua does take over, whether it's week five, week 12, or 2021, whenever he does take over for Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, he's not going to be asked to do too much right away because they're going to have an offensive line now with a bunch of just just big nasties down in the trenches. I mean, just large human beings uh, that, that run block very well. I mean, you can have some questions about some of their pass protection, uh, but, 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 but the, the guys they took, they, they, they took in rounds two and four, they can really run block. Um, and on defense, I, I read your depth chart today, and it made me wonder, is like, wh- how are these guys going to all see the field? And I know they're going to rotate a lot 
but they have like 20 edge defenders now, and they had zero last year. That's that to me is encouraging. So yeah, I, I agree that Ryan Fitzpatrick's got limitations. We have 15 years of history to tell us he's got limitations. But they might ask him to play within a structure that doesn't like last year. He was he was going nuts because he had to. There is there is no world in which Ryan Fitzpatrick should lead your team in rushing, right? That's they, he, it was out of necessity the things he was doing last year. Maybe and again he's going to have to fight some of his impulses not to throw the ball when he shouldn't. But maybe they can get him into a, a in, into a box so to speak where they run the football, play action, throw the ball to Devontae Parker, throw the ball to Mike Kosicki. And, and, and if they score 24 points a game, that'll be enough because their defense is going to be much improved. That, at least on paper, is the argument for the 2020 Miami Dolphins. Enough for what? Hey, they can get the 9-7. and seven. They might win the division. I mean, that, in all seriousness, who, 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 in, the, who in that division do, are you afraid of in 2020? Uh, I, I am afraid of the Buffalo Bills. I think uh, we, have, I think we, we we're, have. We're, we're going to get back to yelling at each other about Josh Allen again, aren't we? No, no, no. I mean, I just think the Buffalo Bills have a more complete team than just about anybody else in the AFC East. All right, I pulled up up Bovada. They had the AFC East champion odds, and the Dolphins and Jets are tied for last, or third if you want to be optimistic, but they're they're tied at plus 750, which means 7.5 to 1 for, for each of those teams to win the AFC East. And then the Bills and the Patriots are tied for, for, for the favorites, at plus 130, which is 1.3 to 1. So so they, they basically see either New England or Buffalo winning a division, and the, the, the Jets or Dolphins winning the division be a, a real long shot. Right, and so I need to say this about the New England Patriots, okay? Um, they are trending towards Jared Stidham is our quarterback, and we're going with him. And that is a double-edged sword for me because – I see Jared Stidham as a vastly uh, inexperienced and developmental type guy. The problem with that, and that's good for the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the Buffalo Bills. The problem with that is that he's had a year to develop. He developed under Tom Brady, and, uh, you know, he's developed in the New England system that has developed quarterbacks throughout. And that concerns me because they seem to have a confidence about him that nobody else understands. That worries me. And if it doesn't worry everybody else, it should because those people, they're evil and, <laughs> and smart. They're not, they're, not, they're not good people and they're smart. Uh, so there's that. I think that there's something to be said about that. I think that uh, if it was surprising to me that Andy Dalton's still a member of the Cincinnati Bengals, was it surprising to you? Well, you know what? Uh, Andy Dalton can throw a football into a net like the Dickens, can he? Um, yeah. You know, we're not done, right? We're not Fair. done. Fair, but uh, you see a lot of these veterans who – they want to get rid of get get traded during draft draft weekend, particularly day three. That's what happened with Matt Breida and the Dolphins. The Dolphins gave him a fifth round pick for a one year rental. Uh, the, the the Patriots probably could have surrendered the same for Andy Dalton. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that he's still on their team, and everyone thought that he'd be gone by now. So the the Patriots had options not named. Uh, they could have signed Jameis Winston if they wanted to. I know 
he would have been more expensive than they had the cap room for, but they could have figured it out. Um, I, I think they're doing something different. I don't think they're doing an all-out tank because there's, there's too much talent on that roster for a full-fledged tank. But I think they're, they're okay if there's limitations on offense this year because they're going to have another million draft picks next year. And they'll probably be drafting the top 20 for the first time in decades because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have $60 million plus in cap space. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's actually 94, according to Spotrack. So they're going to have all the money in the world, and they're going to have a ton of draft picks because every year they win the compensatory pick equation formula. And and so they're going to have assets to go get their quarterback next year. I think this is is a one-year tryout for Stidham. Uh, and if he's if he's awesome, then they, they 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 struck gold again. And if not, they're going to have a team set up to take advantage of a of, of a rookie quarterback on his rookie deal. And 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 I think that's going to try to be Bill Belichick's going to try to make that his legacy to set this team up one more time uh, without Tom Brady to prove he can do it. You're talking about Andy Dalton. Look at his contract, and there's the reason that he wasn't traded during the draft. What is um, it? Um, I think it's well. I I just converted sixty million into ninety, so don't ask me <laughs> what it is. Uh, I, I would say it's a thirteen fifteen million dollar cap hit. Uh, he is due seventeen point five million dollars in base salary alone this year. Right. So whatever team would acquire him would have to clear out eighteen million dollars of space to make it happen. The Patriots don't have that money right now. Correct. So so that's the reason that Andy Dalton stays on the Bengals. And that's the reason the Patriots stay with Jared Stidham. And that's the reason that the AFC East is up in the air. Here's another question. Well, do, you, do, you wanna, do you wanna tease the question for the other side of the break? Because we run real long. Sure. Let's, right. tease, let's tease this question. I'm gonna ask Adam Beasley another question on the other side of the break. And here's the big other question, Adam. <laughs> Are you ready for the big other question? I can't wait. So, you are Josh Rosen. <laughs> Ooh. Woof. Wow, you just barked at Josh Rosen? <laughs> Woof. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So you're Josh Rosen. You spent your first year in the NFL. In a tough situation in Arizona, you spent your second year in the NFL in a tough situation in South Florida. You're about to spend your third year in the NFL looking at the fact that the starting quarterback for the Dolphins is not you. It's a 37-year-old guy. 
And the future starting quarterback for the Dolphins is not you. It's the 22-year-old guy, and you're 23, and you're in the middle, and you're thinking what? Oh, well, um, your natural impulse would be to talk to your agent and to say, hey, can you get me to a more desirable place? The problem with that is this. He's already kind of have an ad- a reputation for strong-headedness. Um, there, there are other words that have been used to me privately that I'm not going to use on this podcast, but not always the most easy guy to get along with. I think the Dolphins have gone out of their way to say, no, that's not true. He's been a good guy in the locker room and all that. But that perception already exists for him. Uh, and and the, the perception also exists that he had an easy upbringing and that he wants things handed to him. Again, not necessarily fair, but that's the perception. If you force your way out after failing in two different places to a third place in as many years, your reputation is terrible. Coaches and GMs around the league will see that and say, well, why do I want to take on a guy who can't even compete to try to win a backup job, let alone a starting job, a backup job? So what I think he's going to do is he's going to keep his mouth shut. He's going to keep his head down. He's going to pray that there's a preseason so he can get on the field and bust his ass in training camp and play well in the preseason. Maybe the Dolphins can flip him for a draft pick late in training camp before a final time. <laughs> Let me finish. Okay. That's, I said hopefully. That's not likely, but hopefully. And and But if not, if, if your plan B is to be with the Miami Dolphins again in 2020, play so well in preseason and in practice during the season that they have no choice but to name you at least their backup in 2021 then you continue to build your way from there. I don't think there's a quick, easy fix for him. Uh, I think he's exhausted all the quick, easy fixes, and they haven't been easy and they haven't been quick. So I think he's going to have to take the long road. to, to if, if he wants to be a starting NFL quarterback, it's going to be along the path of guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and guys like um, Hoyer in New England, people who paid their dues, proved that they could be capable, competent, if nothing else, and then when the opportunity arises, take advantage of it. Yeah, um, I, I didn't. I I didn't mean to cackle. <laughs> Actually, I did because I like to use the word cackle. It's an awesome word, cackle. It's the best word in the world, cackle. And it's cackle worthy that the Dolphins are going to get a draft pick for Josh Rosen. Maybe yet. Yeah, look, you talked about reputation. His reputation, all those things you said at the beginning of your soliloquy on Josh Rosen, they're, they're rumors, there's this and that, and some, yeah, some is close, some not so close. But he's got a reputation, and it's not the kind of reputation that you want mm-hmm. if you're an NFL player. Correct. Fair or unfair, and the further down the road it goes, the further coaches um, get their hands on you and then get fired, uh, <laughs> you know, that reputation sort of branches out. And that's just the facts, man. That's just the facts. One of the reasons that the Dolphins wanted to use a different offense this year is they wanted to make it easier to understand, easier to, to, you know, like, get. And guess what? Who was the guy that wasn't getting it all that quick last year? 
Uh, it wasn't Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, and, and what's stunning is Josh Rosen has a brilliant mind, active mind, has, again, the reputation for being a very smart guy, and yet there were things about that offense that it took him a while and I would say a longer while than expected to, to, to really, you know, get, a, get his hands around. I think all that's completely fair. I, I think he needs to – I'm not saying life has been always easy for Josh Rosen, but it's been easier than for most. And for those pursuing a career as a professional football player, and particularly – I mean, think about this. Tua was, Tua was born in not exactly the cradle of quarterbacks, okay? He was born outside of Oahu, and he played against competition that's not very good. Let's be honest. Hawaiian football is okay. It's not California football. It's not Texas football. It's not Pennsylvania football. It's not Florida football. It's not the same. And yet he was so great that he had teams clamoring for him, and then he went out and won the national championship as a freshman and then beat out one of the most one of the more storied quarterbacks in Alabama history as a sophomore to win the job, forcing him to transfer. To his path was a lot harder than Josh Rosen, and, and Josh has never had – the easy road. He's never had the easy path. He's, uh, sorry, he's never had the hard path, and he does now. And he has to prove to teams around the league that he's okay taking the hard road to, to, to making sacrifices, to, 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 to being okay being number three in the depth chart so long as he's showing improvement in the right attitude and, and some production during the preseason. I think that's his way back to, to being relevant in the National Football League. So you wrote a long take on Tua in the Miami Herald today. What's um, give me some give me some highlights and teasers? Well, each one of these guys that are phenomenal athletes, phenoms, uh, have amazing origin stories. And Armando, here's one that kind of blew me away. I talked about how he had, you know, he was coming up in Hawaii, and yeah, Mariota's from out there, and certainly he was a trailblazer for Tua. But regardless, I mean, there's not a ton of talent in that state. Here's evidence of how good Tua was and maybe how bad the rest of the, uh, the talent level was. When he was nine years old, nine years old, the, uh, his parents put him into Vinnie Passes' passing camp. Funny a little alliteration, Passes passing camp uh, in Hawaii. And he was so good right away at age nine that they didn't bother putting him with the other nine or ten-year-olds. They didn't bother putting him with the other 11 or 12 or 13-year-olds. They threw him in with drills at age 9, at age 10, with high school and college kids, Armando, and he was outplaying them. They would have these competitions where, all right, first in line, somebody make a throw and see if everybody else can match it. None of these high school and college kids wanted to follow to it in line because they didn't want to be so embarrassed that a 10-year-old was making throws that they couldn't, okay? That, that, that is a sign of, you know, accuracy, of touch, things like that. That, that have translated throughout his entire career. A couple other things that I found fascinating. He had a bunch of offers. Um, Alabama was it. When, when, he got the, when he got the call that Alabama was offering a scholarship, that's where he was going. And it wasn't his decision, by the way. It was the decision of his parents who said, not only are you going to Alabama, the entire family is moving there. So there has been, since he was a child, like literally a child, there has been an all-in a commitment of time, energy, and resources by his family to get him to this point. And his, his level of competitiveness, I think, uh, we've heard the coaches talk about it, and certainly it's important to 
to, to Flores, I think it's been understated because his natural gifts are so great, you don't realize how much of a competitor this guy is. Um, everything I have heard from people who know him in the last week, week and a half, has made me more encouraged, not less, about taking him with the fifth overall pick. Yeah, by the way, uh, you mentioned it tangentially. Galu Tungavailoa, who is Tua's dad, is going to play and has played throughout his life a huge role in the young man's life and will continue to do so and is unquestionably the head of that family, even with sons that are in their 20s. He runs the show. He runs them. And that's not a bad thing, but he's going to be around practices. He's going to be around the player, and he is going to have a say in what Tua does and doesn't do even going forward. Yeah, it will be it will be interesting to see the dynamic between him and the coaching staff because if he is this larger than life, you know, Venus and Serena Williams dad kind of kind of guy that that is, you know, they call it momagers, momagers when the mom's the manager, this is the dadinger, I guess. This is the dad who's who who is yeah, yeah, he's got an agent, he's got a marketing team, but dad's the boss. Yeah. Um, at, at at some point, that's going to change, I'm sure, because two is going to grow as a as a man, as a as a as a football player, as a teammate. That is a dynamic that's that's worth watching for sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. At some point, it it obviously for all people it changes because you you grow up. But on the other hand, I don't see it changing anytime soon. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Look, Dan Marino's dad who taught him that quick release, he was a big deal in Dan Marino's life for years and years and years and years and years after Dan Marino was drafted. And yeah. it didn't seem to hurt him too much. No, I, I, so long as it doesn't interfere with, a, like, like, it's a, like it's a Lonzo Ball situation. You don't, you don't want that where, 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 the, where the dad is undermining the, the staff. That, that cannot happen. Um, we haven't seen that, but certainly it's, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to force his will on Nick Saban, of all people, with Tua as a freshman. And then Tua, ever since, has been playing and playing at a very high level. So this would be the first time where, okay, maybe, you know, maybe Dad wants him to play in 2020 and the Dolphins say no. How would that go? Uh, you, would, you would hope the parent would defer to the coaches and the doctors, but we don't know for sure. Well, he doesn't have a choice. I mean, well, he, yeah, he could be a squeaky. He could be a squeaky wheel, though, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope not. And, Me too. Uh, if Gallo is the issue, we've got issues. <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's. You know, that's not the thing. I don't think. I don't hope. Anyway, all right. Before we go, you you are most excited. Other than Tua Tungavailoa, about which draft pick? Oh, why? wow. Oh, my goodness. They talk about putting me on the spot. Um, I, li- I really like Ibanagami. I think he is going to turn out to be a good player. He's raw. A lot of these guys are projections, as, as you've written about. Um, I-, I think the one that I'm most excited about in 2020, that, this, this will be a, a cop-out, is Robert Hunt. Because I think Robert Hunt has the best chance of all of these guys that were drafted, including Tua, to have a day one impact for this team, either guard or a tackle. I know he wasn't the first lineman the Dolphins took, 
but he probably is the most game-ready lineman the Dolphins took in the draft. And and you, you see him, and he is a road grader, man. He can move people off their spot. Yes, it was that kind of draft we were most, ex- most excited about a guard. But I, I'd say in 2020, I'm most excited to see him play. I agree with you on Robert Hunt. I'm excited about him. But if he's playing guard, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because they used the 39th overall pick on him. You used the 39th overall pick probably, maybe – uh, acceptably on a developmental tackle, but you do not use – there is no not value at number 39 overall for a developmental guard at 39 overall. That's, that is – something went wrong there. So and, – and obviously the Dolphins are starting him out at tackle. But if he has to – if he can't beat out Jesse Davis, Jesse Davis, solid player, but not a star. This guy was picked to be above average and maybe a star at right tackle. So, you know, let's, that's the perspective I come at that with. And who are you most disappointed with? Uh, the most disappointed? Well, I mean, taking an injured safety in round three when it wasn't a huge need, um, I would say one. Um, and, and, and using a draft pick on a long snapper. Seems to be another. Uh, I mean, that's that, that Blake Ferguson in the sixth round to me. God bless him. I mean, he, he he must be an awesome long snapper to get drafted. You can find you you can find long snappers uh, as soon as the draft ends by making a phone call saying, "Look, here's here's a twenty thousand dollars sign bonus. Come be your come be your long snapper." So, I mean, if if he if he turns out to be the next John Danny and is here for twenty years, that's great. I just think that you ever ever, ever using a draft pick on a long snapper is probably unnecessary. Okay. Um, disagree, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. I mean, sixth-round picks, seventh-round picks, there's a 10% chance of any of those guys being around in two years. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Sixth- and seventh-round picks, they're like they're like gristle that you – They're lotto tickets. Yeah, they're lotto tickets. You're right. Yeah, exactly. The teams just cut and next. And we just talked about the possibility that this – Sixth round pick is going to be around for ten years. That's that's a high. That's increasing your your success rate by a huge margin. I think I you know you're the math guy, not me. But <laughs> I think that's a good math equation. What can I yeah. tell you? Okay, fair. But long snappers are on the field for what eleven snaps a game max. <laughs> and and so if they blow it. It's game. Changing or potentially game deciding. Fair. Now, one more before we get out of here, because I know uh, you like this pick. I like this pick very much. The first service academy player ever taken by the Miami Dolphins, a Navy quarterback slash wide receiver slash running back, Malcolm Perry. He's able to uh, go into the NFL because the Department of Defense changed uh, its its guidelines, its restrictions on athletes allowing them to pursue their their their, their 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 sports careers so long as they either repay their tuition afterwards or or enlist when their career is done. I think he has a chance to be a real weapon for this team, and it cost them the two all, all cost them was a two hundred and forty six pick in the draft. I like him. Uh, he projects as either a slot wide receiver or a running back. I've heard they're going to you know work him out, try him out at both. We'll see. Uh, I do know this. His 20-yard shuttle times 
are amazing. Very good. <laughs> and they suggest a lot of quickness, a lot of lateral agility and mobility. And that's exactly what you're looking for out of, you know, a, a slot receiver. And one more thing, I think, I guess they didn't draft him, but the Dolphins had a, a Navy guy years and years ago under Nick Saban. His name was Eckler. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he got cut. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought there was going to be some poignant lesson to be learned here. And he got his ass cut. Uh, yeah, and he was a fullback, and he got cut. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I just I don't know why I even added that in there. I don't know why it even you know dawned on me that yeah they had that guy and he wasn't Roger Staubach. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us this week on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Adam Beasley will be on vacation next week, so I'm going to have to either rope in some witness protection person or somehow, you know, do this all by myself. I don't know what will happen, but join us next week on the Dolphins in Depth podcast.